Welcome to Rise and Shine, raw chats with real women in Australian small business. In each candid conversation with a small business owner, we'll explore the messy back end of business with heaps of golden wisdom to help you learn, grow and live your truth. I'm your host, Rachel Green, SEO copywriter and founder of Shine Copy. Let's do it. Today's chat is with Michelle Teo from Rounded. Aussie-made accounting software for freelancers and solo operators. She's head of marketing for Rounded and runs her own business from her base in Paris. Okay, first things first, you have a thing for peanut butter ice cream. Yes. (laughs) That is awesome. I am addicted to peanut butter. I scoop it from the jar directly into my mouth. No bread needed. (laughs) Yeah, same. Oh, my God, I love that stuff. (laughs) Oh, it's the best. Do you have, um? because you're based in Paris, do you get good peanut butter there? It's a critical question no, to ask no. in the podcast. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, like, um, I'm pretty sure I go to the, like, expatriate store and get, like, the American skippies or something. I don't really think French people love peanut butter, but I just love peanut butter everything. Like, I love, like, peanut butter pie and just peanut butter ice cream. And, yeah, um. I don't know. It, it's just a, uh, it's not, I, don't, I don't really love the natural stuff. You know, the natural expensive, oh, I crushed lots of peanuts up and made it into this expensive all natural taste. No, I want that like chemical stuff with the crunchy bits. We're all for uh, Mavis. This is an Australian brand and it's just peanuts, nothing else. So I'm the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> you want the real stuff. <laughs> yes, exactly. So you're the head of uh, marketing for Rounded. And you have your own business, uh, Demand Conversion. How do you do it all? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, my gosh. Actually, you know, it's uh, sometimes it's a bit of a, a juggle. But um, I think like I think when you run a business, you generally really love it. <laughs> and so you're willing to put in the hours and willing to make it work. And I just love working with Rounded. Um, I just love their product. I used to be a customer. So that's I, I'm very intimately familiar with the products. So, you know, I think that when you love what you do, it doesn't feel as much as a chore. Yes, I'm with you totally. And that is like the best kind of feedback or review that someone could get. I was a customer. Now I work for you because I love you that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've actually got a surprising amount of team members that were customers of the product and just started chatting with the founding team and got in through just various various discussions so it's quite interesting um I think it's it's interesting in the way that a lot of the team members because they were former users they just have such a big passion for what the product does and how it changes your workflow and so I think that's a really big difference to other companies that I've worked with yes that makes sense I've used it and it is extremely easy to use and it's pretty intuitive and the support is amazing you get to speak to a real human if you have an issue that's pretty incredible yeah yeah a hundred percent I think good support is an absolute game changer and I think that I've used so many accounting softwares and I studied finance and business and applied statistics so I'm definitely not a stranger to these things but I find so like the current software I have to use now for my business um, because I've got team members and employees. Um, it's very, it, it's just, I don't understand what's going on half the time. And so it's, <laughs> I, I think one of the huge value propositions of a software is that it's easy to use and that you can just go and do what you want and get out. 
Yes, definitely. So you're an Australian based in Paris. How did you engineer that? That's like an exotic dream for most. <laughs> you know, this has been a while in the making. <laughs> so I used to work a corporate job. I used to be a, an economist at Shell. And um, at one stage, they sent me to The Hague to work. And that's where I got a taste of living abroad. And I really loved it. And I realized that I just wanted to continue to to live abroad and explore the world. However, most traditional employment tie you to a location. And so you are pretty much locked into a time, a place, an office. And so I sat down and I thought, oh, there are all these like tech companies popping up. And this was back like 10, 12 years ago. Um, <laughs> I was like, if I had a company that was only on the internet, I could be, or if I worked with a company that was only on the internet, I could be wherever I wanted to be. And so, um, yeah, 10 years in the making, voila, I um, quit my job, first moved to Southeast Asia, a lot easier on the wallet. <laughs> I can and imagine. And then from there, just, <laughs> from there just began my, my nomadic journey. <laughs> Wow. So what other places have you worked around the world, like Asia and The Hague? Anything else to add to the list? Any other continents? Uh, yeah, actually, I just, um, so two and a half years ago, I moved to Paris. So prior to that, I was in New York for a couple of years. That was wow. a bit of a game changer. Yep. <laughs> Living the dream. <laughs> hey, I was listening yeah. to... Um, I was listening to Sarah Wilson's podcast a few weeks ago um, in the episode where she chats with the travel writer Pico Yeah, and he said that ultimately we travel to be moved, like we move to be moved. Mm -hmm. Would you agree? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that is such a great question. I mean, one thing I love about travel is that in Australia I had this particular version of myself and I had a particular sort of beliefs and philosophies about the way I thought things should be done and how life should be lived. And one thing I've really loved about traveling and living, actually just living in different cultures, is that each time I just develop or evolve a different version of myself. And I'm like, oh, okay, New York Michelle <laughs> works a lot harder than Australian Michelle. <laughs> or French Michelle takes a lot longer longer French, um, lunch breaks than, <laughs> than before. But I think in each culture, there's just values of what you do and what's accepted. And as as you morph into that, you just realize, oh, okay, interesting. Like, like I could, I can believe this is another way of life. And you get to discover what's for you and what's not for you. Because I believe that some cultures resonate with some people more than others. Um, some people prefer um uh, societies where it's full capitalism, no healthcare, be a billionaire. And some people prefer societies where they're not so fussed about how much money they make. They really love a lot of government support and and love for everyone to be in the same playing field. And it's just you get a chance to try all these things out and figure out where do I naturally sit on that spectrum. Yes, that is really cool. You get to explore these different facets of you and also of the world that's amazing well done that you can you can do this um I know also that you've been a mentor for North Korean defectors um <sighs> a tutor for torture survivors and refugees and you've been an oh, energy really? economist and now oh, you're a business owner oh, you yes. have a wild <laughs> resume going on <laughs> 
Yes, yes. I feel like I've experienced quite a lot of the world and I feel like I've been in, in a very, very privileged place. You don't realise that until you um leave Australia, how privileged you are just to have an Australian passport. Like, it's absolutely insane. Like, I realise that, well, even if the worst things happen to me, if I landed back in Australia, like, I would be to a very large extent taken care of. I can, like, go to the doctor effectively for free. I had a friend who had open heart surgery, like, 10 years ago. It's probably not the case now. But 10 years ago, and he paid $70 for it. Um, (laughs) So I just felt being so privileged that being in the world, I just saw that it was just so, so different for so many people. So ironically speaking, when I was in New York, I had a friend who was South Korean and she used to work for the um, an association that helped North Korean refugees um, learn English and settle in the new countries that they were in fundraise for their cause and I got introduced to a whole bunch of them um, and they were in New York and traveling to LA um, fundraising helping to fundraise for their association they were just telling their stories um, and it was just so so moving and so touching I, I like a lot of them are sorry to get really heavy on the podcast now just warning for everyone I'm about to drop more heavier things um, <laughs> but um, yeah a lot a lot of these people's basically um, someone that they'll be like a they'll get in contact with someone in the outside world and they'll be like I can help you I can give you a new life and so they trust them and one girl she swam for seven hours in a river just trying to cross the border and once she got out that person just human trafficked her into China and she was sold she was sold um, and then she had a baby and 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 um when she was there uh, randomly a, a south a south korean was randomly traveling up in the north of china like five years later and they were like do you know there's like you know help and associations for people just like you in south korea if you come with me i can get you back to the south korean embassy and there you'll be like you know safe because if you're north korean and you're caught in china they just send you straight back and she was a oh my god so she made the hardest decision of her life it broke her heart she left her baby um and she she began that journey back to South Korea and it's just been a journey for her ever since and you know um she's learning how to be a kindergarten teacher now she's learning English and she's trying to get back in contact with her daughter but it just made me realize how how privileged we are and how much we can give back to to people just for the bit of time Oh wow, that's incredible! I know. Heartbreaking. Right. Yes, mm. but you're right. Our our privilege gives us like opportunity, doesn't it, to lift up others ultimately? Oh, 100%. I'm so like, I'm so humbled that you have chosen to do that. It's incredible. <laughs> so, thinking about all of that, is that kind of what's inspired you to, I guess, you know, live life really full really fully does that even make sense come on copyright <laughs> and to to move overseas and to work and to travel around is that what's inspired you I think I'm just really naturally curious um and I'm quite experimental and so I know some people aren't like they don't have a crazy level of curiosity and they're more happy with you know different different things in life and that's totally okay I think when you have a creative streak 
also I think curiosity really feels that and I think deep inside I do feel like a bit of a traveler I feel like if I was born in like the 1700s I'll probably end up on a whaling ship or something just for the adventures so <laughs> I I think there's a bit of a personality streak in there and yeah and I think um I I was thinking actually the other day I would love to contribute to to more things in France. So I'm looking for more charities right now that I can help contribute back to. If anyone knows of any, give me give me a shout. But I think it's it's definitely something that's be- that has become really important to me after traveling the world. Yeah. So how do you combine travel with running a business or working for someone else? Like how do you how do you yeah make that happen I guess like if someone else wants to do that what kind of tips or off or guidance would you suggest mm-hmm. yeah there's definitely two pathways you start a business that's purely online or you work for a business that is completely happy for you to be 100% remote and um, with some level of flexible hours and so um, I originally um well, <laughs> I had a bunch of businesses, some worked out well, so some didn't work out so well, but all of them were built remote and online. So that's what allowed me to to travel. And also when you have your own business or um, you're able to work for another company, you're able to get the right visa typically <laughs> most of the time into the country. A lot of countries offer freelancer visas now or like sole trader visas where you can just open your own business and and just operate it. So I think the world has become very, very flexible in that way. Um, But obviously some professions lend themselves a little bit more to to traveling than and living abroad with your own business than others. For example, copywriting is in perfect but anything creative where you can just pick up that skill set and go is an absolute perfect match however if you're a lawyer tied to a very particular type of law in a very particular type of country bit of a different ball game but um yes I guess it's just about finding what's what are the right steps for you and all these if you when you run your own business everything is uncertain and I know you definitely know that and you know that experience and so I think it's just important to keep yourself grounded and just be very realistic about what can and can't happen in realistic timeframes and to just have very solid planning, like plan A, plan B, plan C. And I think that gives you the confidence to move ahead because you know you're really covered in every direction. Mm -hmm. And so what kind of like systems and processes do you have in place to support you with what you do? Oh, my gosh, this is like one of my favourite topics. I absolutely love systems and processes. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be able to function without them. So first of all, working with all my clients and working with my team members who are all around the world. They're based in Australia, Greece, France, um, America, and my clients are based in Tel Aviv, Australia, New York, San Francisco. Um, Like definitely have a lot of systems to manage all this and make sure nothing slips through the cracks. So first thing is obviously shift all communications to Slack and really separate on your digital devices, personal and professional um, I've got a whole bunch of emails set up and that 
automatically sends to different places and depending on what it is if it's accounting it automatically sends and connects to my google drive and then it saves as documents or it automatically sends to my accounting software um, and then in terms of project management i'm a huge fan of notion so anything that happens can be tracked on notion it's wonderful now in terms of things not falling through the cracks i have a, a system of automated gentle reminders so they're not really invasive but they just gently remind everyone of everything that's happening so there doesn't need to be a person constantly planning and organizing everyone and keeping everyone updated so you can schedule automatic reminders in slack and i leverage that to keep all my clients updated of what's happening what's supposed to be happening each week for example social media posts are supposed to go out emails are supposed to go out think um launches are supposed to go out things like that and um then I've got calendar reminders and then you can actually automate emails to yourself and your team as well if you need weekly reminders to go out here and there so that way it's kind of like a system and everything stays on track week to week and month to month wow that's amazing it sounds like um like a scaffold kind of of, of systems and <laughs> and programs like a, I guess a tech stack that's where the word comes from right <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I love leveraging, I was using AI before ChatGPT came out. So anything AI that can make my life easier, I'm I'm definitely on it. Um, when it comes to, from accounting to organizing myself to even copywriting. So Rounded has like AI features embedded to into its expenses. So that's super great because I, I hate organizing that stuff. Uh, basically, anything I can do to automate admin that can make my life easier, I'm, I'm doing it. And then I love AI software to just help with any sort of creative prompts if I'm having like, you know, sometimes you wake up and you're just blank, but you need to, you need to get stuff out. <laughs> I love leveraging AI to just shoot out ideas and get my creative juices flowing. Um, so it's, it's really great for, for so many use cases and so many things. What do you use for ideas like ChatGPT or Answer the Public or what other tools? Yeah, so there's definitely a bit of debate on which is the best tool. I just have a personal favorite. It's been my personal favorite for a while now. It's called Writer. And I prefer it to chat GPT because I think it's built for the use case of creatives. And so you can, it just can spit you out meta tags for SEO. It can spit you out headline ideas. It can spit you out paragraph ideas. It can spit you out content ideas. So it, it can spit out so many different types of content or copy depending on what you're looking at and when you look at it you're like oh okay I like that but it could be better and then you really begin to start playing with that in your mind oh, wow that's a good one I'll check that out so are all these like systems and processes um are they just as important for like sole traders working from home as they are for people who maybe live overseas or travel a lot with work Oh, yeah. Look, I think that in our society and especially sole traders and travelers, it's just any business owner or even anyone with children, as you'll know, we're all like ultra time poor. And so technology is here to make our lives better. It's here to save time. So any way that we can really leverage that to save time is 
just, you know, absolutely amazing. I think that I have just invested quite a bit of my time in creating these systems and processes for myself. But like consequently, I think back in the day I would have would have needed like an administration assistant or like a like someone to schedule travel for me or like someone you know back in the day so many of these things were done manually and now nowadays we don't even need humans to do a lot of these administrative tasks and so you can get so much more done in less time and in just less space yes and I think um, Rounded is one of those examples, especially with as it's an app on your phone, you can just snap a picture of the expense and then enter it in and then done. So, yeah, anything that makes life quicker and simpler is a good thing, and I'm all for it, just like you. (laughs) Um, You live for productivity, but recently you discovered in Paris the joy in slowing down, pausing even, and that it actually helps you work faster. Tell me about that. Yes, actually, that's quite funny. I think there's this huge culture shock that all Anglo-Saxons or anyone coming from a very productivity-focused culture, basically cultures where it's okay to eat at your desk or it's okay to take a five-minute lunch break, cultures which, like, don't, like, live to eat, they eat to live. Um, Yes. I think there's a very huge culture shock when they land in any Mediterranean, start working in any Mediterranean country and you're just like, did you just shut down your shop on a weekday for two hours to have a siesta? Like, what are you doing? And it's just completely, (laughs) yeah, completely mind boggling. Like to give you an example in August, like all of France shuts down and um, like we're talking like restaurants, bars, like the pottery the pottery center down the road everyone just shuts down for at least a couple of weeks if not four weeks some even take six weeks and it's just unheard of to shut your shop down in say America or Australia like business runs every day of the week and if you're not there you stick someone else there but nope here it's um really important to recharge refresh renew and it took me a long time to learn this like here it's perfectly in France actually when you're a child and you go to school you don't get a lunchbox school that actually provides lunch through a cafeteria or a canteen but it's not like other canteens it gives you three courses you're just brought up with this mindset of having a a longer lunch (laughs) with quite a bit of food and and not like a sandwich, you know, like a hot meal, like fish or chicken and then fresh fruit after. And so it's totally okay, you know, when you're working to just go out and just enjoy a really, a really great meal on Tuesday. And for a really long time, I was very opposed to it. I was like, I don't have time. These are the most, my most productive hours of the day. Like, this is stupid. <laughs> yeah, I've got, to, I've got to keep working as much as I can. Um, and then after a while, I began to realize, like, hang on. A lot of my work is actually happens in my mind. Like I make decisions, I figure out where I want to go next. I have to think strategically. I have to come up with like a lot of fresh new ideas and, and content. And I was like, that's not actually done at a desk. That's done when I'm doing random tasks. And actually, like if I take time just to breathe, I could actually be more creative and more productive because I'm able to think outside the box because I've taken that time away so I can see the wood from the trees now. And 
it's been a really interesting shift. Um, so it, it's it's been quite funny, but I think that once you sort of adapt to this pace of life, it's it's very difficult to go back to having lunch at your desk again. Yes, I understand that. I've, yeah, I've lived in Spain for a while and, yeah, I have European <laughs> background. And I, yeah, I can see both sides of it and how funny it is when you're like, you're closing, yeah, like you said, you're closing the doors of your shop to go and have a sleep. Who does that? <laughs> but it, it absolutely makes sense. And they, they're open later. Like they do the same hours of work like as a shop owner. Um, it's mm-hmm. just, yeah, they, um, they adjust it around how they want to live, which is the reason, a big reason why people start their businesses, well, in Australia at least, because you want to design a business that fits your life rather than exactly you know the other way around <laughs> exactly so, yeah exactly right yeah. so the um the french concept of planerie i'm not sure if i pronounce it correctly um but it's basically you know sitting around in the square or strolling just for the purpose of enjoying and observing what's going on in your neighborhood or you know you, you sit down like when you see in a typical parisian cafe you sit there and the chairs are facing the street they're facing out they're not <laughs> facing in because you know the French are they want to sit down and just see life and see what's going on how does that sit with you given your kind of um your recalibration on slowing down a little yeah that's quite funny actually people watching is definitely a sport in Paris and so it's it's quite interesting it's even embedded into the older cultures it's not just something that younger people do because they've just got more spare time like I think everyone in Parisian society enjoys a good sit down and literally just commenting on people as they walk past with you know various comments depending on your perceptions of what fashion is right now (laughs) but I think that it's it's been interesting because it's it's I wouldn't normally say that my activity on a a Tuesday night would be to sit down and have a glass of wine and watch people walk by whilst I chat with my friends. But actually nowadays it's, it's quite, it's quite fun. Um, I definitely do miss the cleaner air of Australia though. I think that these chairs facing the streets, I'm like, Oh yeah. Like the air quality isn't as great as Australia, but. (laughs) And the smoking gets um, everywhere as well. Right. Yes, I have a completely yes, a completely completely different attitude to smoking. People are totally fine with smoking here, so that was something I had to get used to as well. Like sitting outside, drinking wine with my friends, and just breathing in secondhand smoke all the time. It's a bit different. Um, I can't say it's my still my most like favorite thing to do in the world, but definitely it's something I'll do a little bit more often as it's just I think a a real part of the culture and what it means to to live in Paris. And a lot of the conversational topics though aren't just restricted to like how other people are looking. I know that sounds very very superficial, but at, you know Paris is the fashion uh ca- yeah capital of fashion. And people are very much into their fashion and the way that they dress. But Paris also has a very, very strong culture of intellectualism. And so people do want to talk about books that they've read or films that they've seen or museums or galleries that they've recently visited and what they learned and what insights they took from that and from anything from like architectural exhibitions to like 
2,000-year-old Chinese vases. I know it's, I never thought I would be speaking to like a, a 28-year-old about that, <laughs> sipping some wine, but with this culture of intellectualism in Paris, it is very important to be cultured and to talk about these things, which I thought was very, very different to many other cultures, and especially Australia, which doesn't particularly value academic education at all. Yes, I think that's, yeah, it's right. <laughs> um, so how do you define success? Is this success for you, living in Paris and observing people going past while running a business <laughs> and working in another one? <laughs> yeah, you know, that's a really great question. I think that success is always definitely a definition that's continuously evolving for me. But, you know, when I was really young, I always wanted to live overseas and so and I never thought I would get that opportunity. I, you know, I, I was, I, I never, I just went to a normal public school and I just thought it would just be really hard to move overseas. And I didn't think I would be able to get the chance to do that until my career was more established until I was like in my forties and being able to travel and live around the world and have designed my life and built that flexibility to do so, I think has been a real source of happiness and contentment and joy and and challenge in a great way for me and so in that in that definition I definitely do feel like I have achieved a level of success that I'm very pleased with and I think as anyone can relate to when you it's like you know you're constantly evolving when you reach one place you're like at a different place where you can just see all the new things and other opportunities that you would like to have a go at and I think it's really great because that's what keeps us going it's that's what keeps us energized so I think that I think that part of success for me is also the ability to see into the future where I would like to be and I think that yeah I, I think that I, I'm I guess I'm there <laughs> but oh, wow. with with the caveat with a lot of things that I want to do in the future <laughs> Yes. Do you think, um, own like staying on this side of, I guess, working life as an entrepreneur or a freelancer is is it is where you'll stay, or do you see yourself going back to working for someone like full time? Oh, that's a great question. I do not ever see myself as being like full time employed by a specific company um, ever again. I just, I just don't think that's for me. I think everyone's really different and. But for me, I, I don't think I could ever, ever go back for so many reasons. I just love the control and flexibility and adaptability that um, the fact that I can build my life for me and all my people in my company, they have that freedom to live where they want, work the hours that they want. We focus on doing projects and working with clients that we love. And so I just can't imagine going back to that other life, um, I think, and I, I, after you live this life for a while, I think that you get used to a world of unstable cash flows. Like you can't predict what you're going to be getting from one month to the next year. I mean, you, you do have some sort of an idea of what's going to happen, but no one knows exactly what, what's going to happen ever. And I think if you love predictability, then, you know, another that other life is for you. But if you can live with the volatility, then I think this life is so much better. I agree. Maybe it's the thrill of not knowing how much money you'll make that keeps us here. <laughs> <laughs> 
A hundred percent as well. It's just always that opportunity of like upside or that opportunity or just like the thrill of just feeling like you survived, you made it out that through that tough period and now you're reaping the gains or either wrong. Yes, <laughs> it it's is true. really exciting. Yeah. And just 100%. moving like moving in just the like the freelance ecosystem is so enjoyable. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. and with um with rounded what is it about that app in particular that made you want to be part of its journey was it just because you'd used it and seen how like how it was really good or was I don't know the values of the of the brand something that aligned with you what was it that made you say hey I'm going to jump on this yeah that's a great question I think it is like I think the product for me was super solid very easy to use made my life really easy but that doesn't make me just want to work with a company. I think what stood out for me was that you could see the team really genuinely cared about the freelancer ecosystem. As you mentioned, support, you get to speak to a real human that genuinely cares. And that was just such a a game changer for me. Um, You see a lot of startups just raise a ton of money and they just hire a bunch of very apathetic customer success people that really don't care. And when you try and talk to them or get something sorted, it's just a bit of a nightmare. And um, they have such typically have like such high churn rates that people aren't even in like companies, tech companies for very long, like maybe 12, 18 months, and then they churn to another place. But with Rounded, you could see it was a long term team and that they really, really believed in freelancer, the freelancer ecosystem. A lot of them were freelancers or used to be freelancers. One of the founders was a videographer and traveler before. And so he really built this product to solve pain points that he really intimately understood. And so I think that that was the appeal of having that sort of a team and everyone is super pleasant to to work with. And so I think it was just, um, and, and like if you've worked with many tech companies, you'll know that that's not typically the case. So I think that's that was a bit of a value proposition for me. Yes, cool. So where can we go to follow you online and to check out Rounded, Michelle? Yeah, so you can definitely follow me on LinkedIn. Um, You can find me on Michelle Teo. And if you'd like to check out Rounded, you can just go to rounded.com.au and go do a free trial. Awesome. Thank you. You are so awesome. Thanks for listening to Rise and Shine. Please leave a review and subscribe so we can spread the love to more brave, business-minded women like you. You can find me online at shinecoffee.com.au.